I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours. We're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode 269. Today's guest on the pod is Aussie songwriter, musician and composer Adam Spark. Some fans might know him from his work with Birds of Tokyo, but this year Adam has branched out beyond the sounds of the birds and has ventured into the world of neoclassical with his debut record, Snow versus Mountain. It's a stunning record of instrumental scores and music, and we highly recommend having a listen. Now, before we get down to business, please make sure you're subscribed to both this podcast and our new This Song Radio pod. You can find details for both of those in the episode show notes, which is also where you'll find all of our social media channels. And please subscribe to those if you haven't already. Our guest today is Adam Spark. As one of the founding members of the extremely popular rock band Birds of Tokyo, Adam found himself wanting to experiment more with sonics that were outside of the band's usual sound palette. Snow vs. Mountain is the culmination of three years' hard work, which saw this record being composed and created in places like Sydney, London and Byron Bay. Adam even roped in legendary arranger Audrey Riley for her help with the record, as she's helped such artists as... Uh, Coldplay, The Smashing Pumpkins, and even The Smiths find their kind of orchestral sound. Now, in today's episode, we're speaking to Adam about inspiration for instrumental music and the challenges that it presents. We discuss what it was like working with Audrey and what she brought to the record. And we also talk about uh, whether this project has kind of found its way into influencing any future Birds of Tokyo music as well. Lastly, we touch on the brand new Billy Bob Thornton movie, Where All Lights Tend to Go, and Adam's work in scoring the soundtrack for that. Now, Snow vs. Mountain is out right now, and we've put links within the episode show notes so that you can go and buy the record or stream it on whatever streaming platform you choose. We also want to give a huge shout out to Miriam at EMI Australia for her help with this episode. Here is our conversation with Adam Spark. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Adam Spark. Hello, sir. How are we? Sir, I'm good. And yourself? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you very much for your time. And of course, more than happy to have you. Um, it's an incredibly exciting time for you at the moment. I want to say congratulations because there's a debut record of yours that is out right now, uh, Snow Versus Mountain. Uh, congratulations. Thanks. It's uh, <laughs> It's been... A long time in the making, man. So it's sort of, it kind of feels a bit surreal to have it out, actually. It's been living on a shelf for, you know, well, through COVID and all that sort of stuff. But I started in 
2018. So, yeah, it's taken a long time to put together. <laughs> of course. I, I was going to, to talk about this because some, um, well, as most artists I know, um, I think that there's this process that you kind of, you record things, you mix them, you master them. There's artwork, there's other bits and pieces involved in putting out music and it's usually that it doesn't come out immediately. There might be a year or so, but there has been, as you've advised, a, there was quite a lengthy wait for this. I imagine it's quite a relief now that this music is out there. Well, it is, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really funny feeling actually because it was sort of making it was so heavy and, and so involved in it. And then now, you know, down, down the line, it's sort of, you know, all this sort of times pass. I sort of, you know, I feel very differently about it still still love it but yeah it's just it feels like a different almost like a different part of my life a different chapter almost you know it's that far you know <laughs> yeah, i mean i'm still working on it until um last late mid last year um so yeah but it just took years to put together i i know it has only been out for a short time what has the reaction kind of been like since it has been out to be honest, I don't know because I've been so deep in painting every day. I'm barely coming up for air. I've got um, <laughs> I've got stuff with my band as well that I see sitting there in inboxes, and <laughs> I'm um, my head's down, man. And honestly, you know, with any music I make, I never really sort of I never really pay attention to it these days. It's sort of, you know, I just. I just kind of tune out all the noise, good and bad. So I honestly don't know. I haven't looked, and I haven't asked. <laughs> I love that. Are you someone who, once you usually kind of finish a project, whether it be painting, whether it be music, you kind of, once you're done with it, you put it down and you're on to the next thing and not revisiting that previous project? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I never really go back. Um, everything's just forward, forward for me. So once it's done, you know, it goes on the on the digital shelf, as it were, you know, it used to be the, the actual shelf. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I just, it's these things, man, they, they happen at a, you know, certain points of your life and, you you know, you, you spend sort of years in these things and then as soon as it's done, it's sort of, it's so nice to sort of, you know, bookend that and then just kind of go, all right, cool, push that over to the side there and, you know, do what you need to do with it. But, um, yeah, I never really sort of engage with it much, to be honest. That's very fair. Look, I can appreciate kind of, Wanting to keep almost like a little bit of a distance from it because it's a um, like anything you're creating it in a certain headspace and mind space and it's not something that you can just always revisit as in just returning to it. It's much more complicated than that. I feel. Well, yeah, and you know, it's in the past, man. And there's, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can change. Um, and if you're to go back and start nitpicking, you know that when you make um, works like this as well that. Um, it's not perfect. Um, you do your best and, and get it to a point where you're happy to sort of walk away for, you know, for now, I guess. Um, and so it just doesn't really serve any purpose. Just keep dredging and dredging it up, good or bad, <laughs> I find. I would agree with that. Um, so this record, it is, as I mentioned before, it's called Snow Versus Mountain and it is a gorgeous, sonically gorgeous, gorgeous record. Um for some people who might be listening to this podcast and not aware of your, I want to say your alter ego or your day job or um, maybe another reason that they might recognise you is obviously um, for uh, playing keys and piano and I think backing vocals in Birds of Tokyo, the popular Perth rock group. No, actually, that is my good buddy Glenn who does all of that. Um, <laughs> I actually, um, I'm the guitarist but... I mean, I play piano and bits and bobs on, on things, but he's the guy who does that stuff. Um, 
Yeah. I've, I've been reading the wrong liner notes. I do apologize. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I mean, look, I play everything. So as you would have, you know, here on this record, I play everything or other than the strings itself. But, um, you know, it's kind of one and the same thing. But, yeah. How have they, um, I guess, firstly, how, how are they feeling now that you're, I don't want to say, and this is not a bird pun, this is just for a lack of a better term, flying the coop uh, in terms of putting out your own stuff? Yeah, they're cool with it, man. They're, they're really supportive. I mean, you know, I've, I, look, I started Birds in my bedroom in 2003, you know, Kenny, um, the singer, and I. And so it's kind of been my life's work. Um, and after that long of sort of being together, everyone understands that, you, you know, you need to make a change. And I just try different things. Um, and, yeah, just sort of go out and do other things. And, you know, birds birds will always be there. Um, you know, like I said, it's my life's work for the past 20-odd years. So um, they've, they've got nothing but stoke for me, really. I mean, unless they haven't told me otherwise, I don't know. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, they, uh, I, think, I think they've listened to it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make an assumption that they probably have listened to it. It is a as I mentioned, it's a beautiful piece of work. Do you remember? Because it is um, it's obviously two very different worlds, neoclassical and and uh, what I would uh, very easily define as as rock. And obviously, you can go into different subcategories mm. there. But um, for the sake of this, I guess, what was the? Do you remember a defining point where you kind of? found yourself having an interest in um, classical music and, and composing? Um, yeah, I mean, it's look, it's, it's always sort of been there, I think, bubbling up more and more probably over the past 10 years. I mean, the lady who I'd worked with on the record, who did all the arrangements, you know, I, I wrote all the strings and stuff and then sent them to her and she's like, oh, my God, this is a mess. Let me do this properly. Um, <laughs> she's done that for, um, for the band um, since... 2010 um and then so I, i've always sort of i always worked with her over the past decade on more orchestrally sort of things for the band um but i think it was really only um around 2017 uh, 2018 i don't know i just i really started feeling like i wanted to sort of say some things in different ways and, and i'm not a singer i mean i sing you know backing vocals live and all this sort of stuff and whatnot but i'm not a singer and so my only way to really sort of um, you know, tell tell stories, I guess, or um, share, you know, musically what I want to do outside of being in a rock band is making kind of, you know, cinematic neoclassical music. And it's just, it just you know, like it's uh, from, I mean, in fact, from even from earlier on, you know, I, I did the, um, what was it, WAPA, the Conservatorium in WA, like 2003. So, and we did all classical units for all that sort of stuff. So I guess in some ways it sort of started there, but then it grew through the involvement of my band doing more orchestral sort of work. Um, and then, yeah, then I found the world of actual neoclassical sort of work in yeah, probably like the past six years or so. Um, you know, it just spoke to me, man. And I thought, you know what, I can, that's a language that I can sort of talk in. Um, and it made sense to me. Um, I've never harbored any ambition to sort of go and start a band and be a singer or, you know, do anything. And like, I'm not really a shredder on anything, so I'm a writer and I always have been. So mm. yeah, I found it <laughs> to be able to sort of, you know, get into um, this sort of world because it was within my wheelhouse of capabilities. <laughs> oh, look, I love that. It was um, actually the, the lady that you referred to at the start, is that Audrey? Audrey Riley, yeah. Yeah. Um, having a quick look at 
at her body of work, it seems like, um, who was it? I think there was Coldplay, there was Muse, I think there was the Smiths as well um, at yeah. some point. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's a legend, man. Um, she's um, she's a lovely old, older English woman. I've been told off for saying old. <laughs> um, a lovely old, older English sort of lady who's just, and I say that only because she's been doing it since the 80s. You know, I think the Smiths was her first, um, yeah, I think the Smiths was the first job she ever did whereby they knew she was a cello player or something or one of their friends and they said, we need the cello for some song. Um, I think it's like 1986 or something. Like this, and they said, bring Audrey in to play and then that kind of started the whole thing off for her. Um, <laughs> you know, so she sort of, I guess in some ways, I mean, she was an amazing classical, um, um, I guess, um, uh, oh, sorry, uh, an amazing cellist anyway. Um, but, you know, that's that was sort of, she started doing all that stuff and arranging for bands and, you know, she did the scientists from Coldplay and all of these kind of things and Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight, which is like, you know, just one of the legendary crossover string um, and rock band arrangements and, um, yeah. And she's also, she's a really, she's really cool. She's a really good mentor, um, very... Um, very how do I say it? she's very she's very elven elvish in a way she's just like <laughs> this beautiful dottery sort of like very passionate you know <laughs> you know tea drinking lady who's such an unlikely mix for such epic and you know um, you know I guess expansive sort of rock bands to be a partner with but that's that's what she does you know I one of the things I love about music the most is when it um, subverts your expectations and I feel like even the um, the explanation of um, of Audrey is that of as you said that this person who composes and helps arrange and and assist with these beautiful big scores and it's just a I know that you just said Elvish but I, I kind of like that <laughs> That's yeah very cool. I mean and that, and I and I say that as well because you know I, I I'm I'm so I'm so lucky to be able to sort of work with people like that because. I th- to do what they do um, and understand the nuance of how to present, you know, I guess strings in a way that's not not only just musical but really emotionally sensitive and and they really get texture and, um, you know, what, what you're sort of trying to say. I couldn't do it, you know. Um, I mean, I can write it but I can't sort of orchestrate it and put the right thing in the right instruments in the way that people like this can. It's, it's a really, really, really out of this world sort of skill, I think, um, hence why I guess people like that are in quite high demand. Um, it's, it's really a sight to behold when they, you know, you give them something and they give it to you back with their sort of take on it and you're like, holy shit, okay, yeah, a human's done that. That's, that's kind of cool. I would love to know, I guess, talking about how, how these scores and how these songs are, are built and created and obviously coming from more of a like a popular music background how does that creative process begin for yourself how do you find inspiration in terms of starting a song and and where that kind of goes from especially if it is in regards to like this record it's a little bit more subdued it might be that there's no vocal so there's no melody line to kind of follow how do you yeah how does that process begin you know what as you're asking the question it's just it's triggered me because i it's such a terrifying thought. If I was to do it now, I, you know, I, I don't know how to start. Um, so, and it's a really good question. It's, it's really absolutely intangible and, you know, it's all in the ether and, you know, it's, it, it's not as simple, yeah, as like, oh, here's a, um, here's a piano part. I mean, some of them are, I guess, but some of them, are, you know, I think back 
you know, when I sort of um, think back when I, you know, if I listen to it and try and think back about, how, well, how did I start this song? Where did, where did that one come from? And I've honestly got no idea how you start something like that because some of these things are, you know, six, seven minutes long or whatever and, you know, they they don't seem to have a, an obvious motive or a start or an end point. Um, and so I think it really kind of is just putting your fingers in um, in paint really and just sort of just moving it around until you, a, a sound or a, um, or a part feels like something to you. Um, I mean, there, there was somewhere, um, you know, once you've got an idea of, of what you kind of, you know, you'll start making, mucking around with something and then, okay, there's, there's some sort of feeling in here and you kind of go, oh, this aligns with, you know, this idea that I want to sort of think about or, or share or a feeling or whatever. And then from then you can sort of heighten it with the right sort of sounds and effects and um, textures and whether it be strings or not. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's such an intangible. Um... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Yeah, it's just such an intangible way to sort of try and explain and, and process. I don't know. I think you sit there and you just move your hands around and stuff starts to happen. I wish there was a more uh, <laughs> elegant and um, educated answer to that, but I don't know, man. Um, it just it just happens and then you go with it, you know, and that's when the writing and, you know, things that you've learned over your, over your life of, of music starts to come into play. So, okay, well, I know how to move to this thing now or whatever, um, this part or whatever, but the, the start of it's very murky water. <laughs> I can, well, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that it is a little bit more difficult than say like, you know, like a four, four, four pop song that's three minutes and, you know, has that kind of structure to it. I imagine that it would be more difficult to, to get involved and find yeah. what you're wanting to do with it. Uh, in well, a way. yeah. Cause I mean, some of it, it's like, it's, it's it's so unmeted, you know, and you'll you'll just you'll sit there and you'll you'll plink away, and you hit a random combination of notes, and you kind of go, oh, that feels like this, and then you know you'll you'll do it, and then you'll move something, you go, no, that's right, but then when you start to make it sound like the pop world or, or rock or whatever, it starts to sound like a song. Um, so you got to, in a way, you kind of got to be careful not to, um, not to go down that avenue because then it sounds too much like a song. And look, this work kind of is probably a little bit more back towards a, um, a more traditional sort of world than the really further out there, classical and neoclassical sort of stuff. Um, and I learned that as I'd sort of finished it, I was like, okay, shit, I could have probably 
destructured it a little more, but I don't know. That's just who I am, so it had to happen that way. <laughs> no, as I've said a few times, this this record is gorgeous. So I'm glad that it has come out the way that it has. That it didn't kind of follow that that path down. Um, I was wondering if I might be a little bit selfish and ask about the creation of um, my favorite track on the record. It was track five, and I believe it's in. Uh, Closure or enclosure? Enclosure, yeah. Enclosure. I, after having listened to the first half of the record and then the second half of the record, there was something that was almost like a clear divider, in a way, or something that yeah. was, uh, yeah, in 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 enclosure. Um, if you can, and I know we just talked about the creation, so I know it might be difficult to do so, but are you able to share with us how that song came about, or I guess what it was that led you to make some of those creative decisions on that track? Well, yeah. I mean, well, first of all, there is a clear divide on the record and it's sort of, it's kind of the point, I guess, that things start to sort of go down um, after that and things break apart a little bit, which is kind of the whole, um, I guess, the whole arc of, of what the work's sort of trying to say and kind of do. Um, you know, it starts off with this sort of big power and confidence and then, has these moments of sort of beauty and then it's, um, you know, things sort of fall off a cliff a little bit, you know. Um, and then right at the very end we sort of come up again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that one that one definitely started with the piano thing. I, there's a chord motif in it that starts and goes through the first part of it that I really love. Um, and I was really enamoured. Um, just for some reason I was, I was just really enamoured with um, this idea of, um, like, beautiful almost like in my mind this Japanese sort of ballet kind of stuff or whatever. And so hence why it sort of, you know, builds in this nice um, sort of repeating sort of figure um, and then becomes more of that um, that beautiful, um, I guess it's a pentatonic sort of glory or something in terms of um, where we sort of take it. But um, that one that one was definitely one. It has a, that where I said before, it has a feeling. You just sort of play something and you kind of, I wasn't trying to write anything. You're just sort of playing, you know, plonking your fingers away. Um, and all of a sudden something, you know, this chord progression, you know, that movement sort of happens. Um, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. This is this is something. And it's it, it clearly feels like it's going to build to something. And, I, I mean, I, I love that one. It's got this point just before it builds and it has this really – um, extraordinarily, um, I don't know, like suspended but hopeful sort of and melancholic chords sort of in which I wish I had have done more of in that song. <laughs> but by the time we had arranged the strings and I was in London sort of doing it all, um, you know, I'd, I'd sort of missed the opportunity to sort of do it. But, um, yeah, it's sort of, I don't know, it's, it's a, I, I call songs like that the carrots, you know, where they sort of start and, you know, just sort of just carrot up like this, you know, and then they just end. <laughs> just as it's sort of really moving and moving and you just stop. I really I really like doing that. I don't know if it's frustrating for people to listen to it. <laughs> there has to be some enjoyment for the artist as well as the fan, so I can appreciate that. <laughs> well, as long as it goes somewhere, you know. I mean, mm. and that's, that's me with my love of post-rock sort of coming out, you know, I've, those, those big sort of journey songs, you know, they just sort of build and build and build. Everything becomes really overwhelming, um, starts from a place of stillness, you know, something really quite, um, you know, just, just floating and it's just, it's just sort of sitting in a place and then from there, you know, it grows into something that really starts to move around and, and hits home, hopefully. 
can we, well, I guess talking not missed opportunities but things that you would maybe change or, or want to do, can we expect maybe at some point that there, and I imagine that records like this do take a little bit more time um, than your standard record, can we expect further compositions and, and classical records from yourself? You know, I sort of, I don't know. Um, and it's not a no and it's not a yes. It's, I think um, I tend, and this is because I live my life these days just following the universe and I, I just go wherever I feel. It sounds very hippie-ish to say, but also, you know, I've been alone <laughs> for the past number of years as well. <laughs> um, so maybe that's rubbed off now, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I um, I kind of go where the universe sort of takes me. You know, I don't force anything. I don't seek to write things. You know, if, if something's bubbling away and I feel it, I'll, I will sort of go with it. Um, I certainly didn't start the project to only do one thing. Um, but, you know, um, but, I mean, having said that, I... I, I wasn't going to do anything in that world, but then I spent most of last year scoring, you know, an American film. So um, that was um, that was very much kind of a very dark version, but back in that world. Um, and um, so I, ta- I got to tap back into that. And so I feel like in some ways I've, my past six years or so have been in that world. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it again, and um, and take these things that I'd learned from both of these projects um, into something better. But in some ways, I feel like because it, it's it's such a marathon, you're so tired after it um, emotionally that you kind of need a little bit of a break to sort of go. All right, cool. Well, if I want to do this again, what do I want to say? Is there a story or? Um, you know, how would I approach this? And I don't like to do the same things twice as well. So mm-hmm. that's a long answer. So I, 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 <laughs> I don't know where, 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 I'm, where I'm going with this, this part of my um, musical sort of vocabulary, I guess. Um, but when it pops up, I'll, I'll, I'll chase it, man. Yeah, I think that's very fair. The, um, the, the film that you're referring to, Devil's Peak, Mm. Um, is a, I think it came out in the US in February or March and I think it's getting a wider release soon, but... I guess what was there anything in particular that drew you to that project? And then I know then just said uh, you just said when it pops up you'll you'll chase it if you choose to. I guess is there any kind of key defining things that you do look for when you are choosing projects or wanting to to pick what project you're working on? Yeah, um, if if it's by that by that same token of why I said before, I live a very singular life these days. I'll only do one thing at a time. Um, I won't try to do different projects and balance things and I'm doing this. And so if something comes along and I'm like, all right, this has, this is, this has got its claws in me. I've got to do this. And I, and I can just push everything else away. Um, and I want to do it, you know, then, then I'll do it. Um, if it's something that's for money or like a, a gig comes in and there's those things come in like, Oh, here's a, here's a gig. Do you want to do this and do that or whatever? I'm like, usually it's a no. Um, but if it's, put it this way if it's something that i would do for free um and i want to spend every day doing for months and months or years on end um because i have to do it then i'll do it um and that's what that's what this film was again i wasn't searching for film at all it just came to me um from some producers and yeah and I, i i i read the script and sort of you know um just talk to the directors and all this, all you know, all that stuff that you do. Um, and I was like, well, 
shit, making um, really dark, bleak, droney music um, for a drug saga set in the Appalachian Mountains for six months. Like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was the exact spiel that they gave you when they tried to sell you on it. That's a. Uh... Yeah. You know, well, it, I, well I, again, by, by pure just the universe doing its thing, they actually reached out to me because they initially, because it's set in the mountains, you know, it's all very, you know, hickey and all this sort of stuff. They, they initially thought they wanted to do some Qatari sort of like, you know, slidey stuff or whatever. Um, they said, would you be up for maybe doing a couple of pieces of guitar? And, you know, and one of the producers um, is actually a friend of mine. Um, and I was like, sure, send through some scenes. And, you know, and then so they sent through scenes and then I sent back the very opposite of that. <laughs> because I, I just thought, well, yeah, it's pretty obvious to do the guitar stuff. What if you did something like this? Um, and I was pretty naughty to do that, I think. Um, and they actually quite liked it. And I said, uh, well, you know, who's scoring the film anyway? Um, who's doing the main score? And they said, well, we don't know yet. Well, do you want to have a look at it? And I was like, Sure. So they gave me some more scenes and I did some more of my dark droney stuff and, you know, I won the job, So, which is crazy. It wasn't meant to be. It was not meant to be me doing a film score or anything. It was just maybe to a couple of little guitar pick-up things for a couple of scenes or whatever. Um, but here we are. I love that story though. <laughs> <laughs> um, Birds of Tokyo are about to head out on a tour with a classical lilt to it. They're going on... Um, the orchestral tour and I have to ask whether that might have been by influence of yourself or whether that is just purely a coincidence. Um, well, it, it did happen because when I was first starting this project and I was looking for some maybe some string partners or whatever to either perform it with or, um, or record, I went and sat down with um, the guys at WO Symphony, uh, flew over there and was talking to those guys and I said, well, here's the project we're doing, you know, um, would you guys sort of be interested in stuff like this? And they said, well, sure, but we don't know in what capacity. And then at that same meeting they said, well, I, well why are you here? What are, what are birds doing? Do birds want to sort of do some stuff? Because we, you know, they had, must have been thinking about it or something. So... We, um, we, got, we got both of those discussions out of one meeting. We didn't end up doing stuff on my thing together because I ended up doing it over in the UK, but um, that's where the conversation started and it, um, it, it took a, few, a couple of years to sort of get going because we actually did an early version of it in 2021 but didn't go everywhere. Um, and I didn't do most of it because I was I was had some sort of health stuff at the time, so I was out. Um, so this is um, we thought, well, we've got to do it again, and we've got to do it in Sydney, we've got to do it in Hobart, we've got to do it in Adelaide, all these other places. So um, we're doing the much bigger and more um, modern and improved version uh, coming up this year. And there's a lot of shows, and they're, they're big shows as well. So it's um, I've been working on it for the past two days. Um, whilst trying not to do two things at once, which is painting <laughs> and music because <laughs> now's my time to paint before we go back on tour. Um, but, yeah, so we've been sort of back and forth and doing some arrangement stuff and so it's getting all together now. That's awesome. Well, I know that there's a lot of people looking forward to those shows um, and we'll put the details for those shows as well as where people can uh, purchase and stream Snow Versus Mountain um, Adam, usually we'd ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment for yourself that um, is on high rotation? 
Um, honestly, I'm listening to so much, I guess you'd say, bad pop country at the moment. <laughs> I don't, and again, I just follow wherever I'm going, man. And so, I for, love what this, reason, <laughs> for whatever reason, um, I'm just, it's either at the, for me at the moment, it's either Nine Inch Nails. Heaps of Nine Inch Nails for some reason, or like Morgan Wallen and all these sort of guys. It's sort of like, um, and I don't know, we did a tour last year with Keith Urban and became friends with all those guys. And so maybe that's just been sitting there bubbling away. But um, <laughs> I've, just, I've just, even just before we started chatting today, I've been working all day downstairs, painting away, and I've been listening to country for probably eight hours. And I don't know why. It's just so cheesy. It's so, but it, you know. It's, it's just really sad and kind of beautiful, but I love the fact that they just own their, I don't know, just their, their lyrics and stuff, you know. It's sort of like some of it's like, okay. <laughs> but it's, like, it's clever, man. It's really well done. It's, and I, and I'm, not, I'm not taking the piss out of it. I actually fucking love it. It's, it's so good. Um, so I'm, just, I'm down the country rabbit hole. Again, it's far away from, you know, the, the classical world. <laughs> I'll swing back. I'm not going to lie. It was not what I was expecting you to say, but I 100% agree. There is something um, about uh, a bit of country music at the moment. Um, who is it? I know you mentioned Morgan Wallen. I think uh, Zach Bryan and one or two other artists at the moment putting out some very good yeah. storytelling songs. Um, but yeah. yeah, there is. Well, there's a, um, there's a record by this guy Sturgill Simpson, which I've been listening to. I forget the name of it, but it's this whole thing about the it's like this nautically sort of the sea and all this sort of stuff. And it's, it's, it's so artistic. It's so very, very forward thinking and really, really clever. I, I, the name escapes me, but um, that's been on the, uh, the playlist as well. It's almost like a concept sort of album sort of thing, but it's really, um, it's really more, kind of mournful and beautiful and a bit lo-fi in a way, really. Yeah. I have listened to a little bit of Sturgill and, and have liked what I've heard so far. So I'll definitely go and have a bit of a search. Um, for that you just got to put on your session. fucking cowboy hat, man, and just lean right on it. <laughs> just embrace the trucks, the beers, the Friday mm. nights, the football. The heartbreak. Yeah, the heartbreak um, and the bars, man. It's all about the yeah. bars. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a big drinker, so, you know, maybe that's my way to sort of hang out at the bar with all these guys. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I love that. Um, Adam, thank you so much for your time today. I do appreciate it. And um, thank you for coming on to the podcast. And uh, congratulations on um, Snow versus Mountain. It is out now. We'll put the links uh, for it so people can buy, stream, find you and these shows. Um, but, yes, thank you again. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.